Well, this Easter, we believe that Jesus is our better word. And I get that better is, it's quite a, a bold word. As Canadians, we often like equal or same. And so I get that better is a bold word. However, looking to Jesus, it is both equally true and it is also rooted in humility when we say that Jesus is our better word. You know, a few moments ago, Pastor Ingrid, uh, she read over us during the hosting time the, the Palm Sunday passage of scripture. So she read it for each of us. But I want us to look back at verses 10 and 11 because this is Palm Sunday and I want us to dive into two things that we see in verses 10 and 11 as we look at how Jesus is our better word this Easter season. Here's what it says. The scripture says, it says, and when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, but listen to what they said. The whole city is stirred up, but they are saying, who is this? And the crowds said, so not the disciples, the crowd said, well, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And so they were sort of right because Jesus is a prophet, but he's not only a prophet. He is prophet, he is priest, and he is king. And so they're sort of right about who he is, but not fully right. So they have a sense around who he is, but there's still a little bit of confusion. So the city is stirred, but they're not quite sure what is, trans, what trans, what is transpiring. Because who is Jesus? This is the central question of Easter, but also in life. This is what makes Easter, what makes Jesus so significant. Hebrews says it this way, that Jesus Christ or Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is, and here's our word, it's better. Since it is enacted on, once again, better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. You know, as followers of Jesus, our hope and our hearts, especially in not just the Easter season, but in this season that we find ourselves as Canadians, our hope is rooted in something that is far greater than a changed circumstance. It is rooted in something more powerful than simply optimism. And our hope is rooted in a better word than even escapism, like, God, I want you to get us out of here. No, no, it's not rooted in optimism or escapism or even or only changed circumstances. No, the scripture says that you and I, because of Jesus, because of the work of Easter, of what Christ has done, that we have this anchored hope in our hearts for our souls. It is rooted in the death and the life and the resurrection of Jesus. And so today on Palm Sunday, we see Jesus being received by the crowds as a king. Yet again, known by most as only a prophet from a town of, called Nazareth. The central question that we all must wrestle with in our lives is, who is Jesus? So who is Jesus to you? Who is he? You know, God can be so close as Jesus was on this day. He can be so close. He can actually be right in front of us. But we still can't see him for who he is. Why? Well, because if Jesus is our better word, the reality is that Jesus is not the only word that influence all of, influences all of our hearts and all of our lives. In fact, some of us can have other words like worry and fear and anxiety 
or success or being driven or whatever it happens to be. We can have lots of words that create so much noise in our life that even the idea that God can be present moving in our lives and it's hard to even see what God is doing because of all these other words. And they can be words that we associate with negative things, but they can also be words that we associate just with busyness or positive things that distract us from seeing who God is and what he is doing. This is what's happening on this first Easter story, this first Easter week, and it still happens to us today. You know, Easter week or is known as Holy Week, starting with Palm Sunday. On Monday, let me walk you through a little bit of the sequence of what's going to transpire this week. On Monday, Jesus is going to cleanse the temple. He's going to turn the tables upside down, so to speak. And he's going to strike at the heart of worship. On, t- on Tuesday, Jesus is going to warn us about eternity. He's going to share these really pointed parables about eternity and how significant it is, about these things called the last days. On Wednesday, Jesus is anointed for his burial. And while he is being anointed for his burial, his betrayal is simultaneously unfolding. On Thursday, Jesus is going to gather the 12 disciples. He's going to wash their feet. He's going to share a final meal with them. And then he is going to go begin to pray in a garden called Gethsemane, the garden of the olive press. And he is going to be pressed. And the disciples, when he invites them to pray, they're going to fall asleep. And then soon they're going to scatter. And then on Good Friday, Jesus is going to be crucified and buried. And on waiting Saturday, Jesus is buried and the world waits. God is moving, but it's as though It is just stillness and silence. And then on Easter Sunday, of course, God gets up and Jesus is resurrected. And here's the temptation. As followers of Jesus, the temptation is to rush right to Resurrection Sunday. And it makes so much sense why we do. But however, it's important for us to slow down and to see every point is pivotal along the journey. Because sometimes better has to make its way through broken for us to see a brand new tomorrow. I want to say that one more time. Sometimes better, your better word, my better word, sometimes better has to make its way through broken for us to see a brand new tomorrow. You know, in nature, we see this all around. It's called a metamorphosis. In home renovations or renovating anything, really, sometimes there is a process of destruction, of demolition, where the old has to be torn down before the new vision of what could be comes into reality. And we can see it in nature or we can see it in home renovations, but when it's occurring in our lives, it brings up all those other words that I shared a moment ago, like fear and worry and anxiety and uncertainty. Again, especially in a time like this, all those words, they can come right up into the front. That's all that we can see and we cannot see God or we lose sight of God. Or more importantly, God may be trying to birth something new, but when all of that is stirred up, sometimes it's hard to see what God is doing. And this is the story of Easter. Which is why, again, we have to resist the temptation to run right away to Resurrection Sunday, but we've got to let all of it unfold and to lean into all of it, even if it's uncomfortable. 
Because it doesn't make you a bad person, it just makes you a human person. Because we all desire better without any brokenness. We desire change without any crisis. And we desire transformation without any tests or trials. Again, that doesn't make you bad. It just makes us us. But to fulfill all of the Old Testament, to fulfill the law and every ounce of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, Jesus was going to show us that the greatest act is this act of love. The scripture says that love has no greater picture than a friend who gives up his life for another. And that is precisely what Jesus is about to do this week that we're going to reflect on as we lead towards Good Friday. Again, this whole idea of death to life and death to life, it's not new. It's all throughout the Bible. This idea that God is fully present, but we can't see him is also not new. It's all the way through scripture and it's all in our own lives as well. In fact, there's this one pivotal story about Jesus, his disciples, a boat in a storm. He tells them that they're going to go to the other side. And so everyone listening, you just type in the chat, other side. Just go for it right now. Just other side, okay? So he tells them they're going to go to the other side. He then proceeds to fall asleep in the boat. He's in the boat, but he's dead asleep. And in the process from getting from this side to that side, a storm emerges or a storm arises. And what happens? The disciples who were in the boat, so again, Jesus is sleeping in the boat. The disciples are terrified. They are filled with anxiety. And everything that we have just talked about in our hearts and lives happens to them. They begin to say to things like Jesus, like, don't you care that we're perishing? Can't you see what's going on around them? In other words, there are all these words, again, like fear and anxiety. And all they can see is the storm. They can't see who's also in the boat with them. They lose sight of the promise that Jesus said, we're going to get from this side to that side. In other words, this too shall pass. And the scripture says something really profound and prophetic for me and for you, and especially in light of Easter week. And here's what it says. Three words. It says that Jesus got up. Before Jesus calms and rebukes the storm, it says that Jesus gets up. And I think that is so significant because in my life and in your life, before he speaks this word of peace, he is beginning to move before he says, peace be still. Did you catch that? That Jesus gets up and all authority and all power and all solutions, he is the better word. The better word is from the storm that they are experiencing, is the peace that is coming. But there's this little gap between when Jesus gets up and when he speaks the word. And when he says the word, peace, be still, and everything goes still, and then they're terrified, and they ask a similar question that we saw at the beginning of Palm Sunday, which is, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Jesus got up. Can I remind you on Palm Sunday that in your life, Jesus always gets up. Can I also remind you in your friends, in your family's life, that he is present. 
But there are these words and there are these things that maybe are affecting their ability to see Jesus. If this wasn't most dif- more difficult enough, the scriptures also later say that the God of this world, Satan, he blinds the minds of the unbelievers. Wow. So they, they cannot see what God is doing or who God is. But you and I as followers of Jesus, we've been praying day in and day out and week in and week out. We are praying for you who are watching this message, you who are engaging this today, that you would be able to see Jesus for who he is. But before Jesus, the story of Easter is before Jesus is going to get up, he's going to do something powerful. He is going to lay his life down. He is going to do something for us that had the story not been written by God himself. It is not one that we would ever have thought on our own. Because for all of us, between this side and that side, and whatever side that represents, between this side and that side, where you are to where you want to be, to what is occurring to what you desire God to do, for the hope or the harm of what we have seen to the desire of what we wish God would do, there is always between those places, between better and broken, between change and crisis, there's always a choice. And the choice for me and the choice for you is this. What words is my life rooted in? What words are my life truly rooted within? You know, there's this scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, that says that you and I are to have this one word called prayer, that we're to pray without ceasing. And some say, well, that's impossible. That's just being hyperbolic. Like, there's no way to pray without ceasing. That's an impossibility. Is it really? Is it really an impossibility? Because let me ask you, or let me just kind of say it this way, without any shame whatsoever, but for the sake of clarity, some of us can worry without ceasing. Some of us can compare without ceasing. We do it in our sleep and we do it just all the time. It, it never has to turn on. It never turns off. So the question is, if those things and those words can be present and prevalent in our life, then why not prayer? Why not all the fruit of the Spirit? Why not everything that God also desires for us? You see, Jesus came to be my and your better word. And the Holy Spirit came to lead us into all things Jesus. But you and I have to make a choice. And choice is everywhere during the story of Easter, as it was for the disciples in the boat, as it was on the very first Palm Sunday, choosing to see Jesus as just a prophet or as God's son. You know, Judas, he chooses 30 coins of silver over Christ. Peter, he chooses to believe who he thinks he is rather than who Jesus says he is. The disciples, as I referenced a moment ago, when asked to pray, they choose sleep. And then they scatter. And the Pharisees, they're going to choose tradition over truth, shadow over the full substance of who God is in the person of Jesus Christ. And people are going to reject Jesus and choose a convicted thief instead. 
You know, years earlier, Isaiah prophesied that our better word would come. And this is how we would know that he is our better word. Isaiah 53 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity, the crooked behavior, the brokenness of us all. And he bore the sin of many. And now he makes intercession for the transgressors. So it says that through Jesus, as he's about to be pierced and crushed and chastised, those are the words that he receives. And yet he gives us a better word so that we don't have to be pierced and crushed and chastised. No, he gives us a better word and the word he gives us is peace. And Jesus said, a peace not as this world gives you, but I give you a different kind of peace. And through his wounds, you and I can be healed and made new and made whole. And though we choose iniquity, though we choose behavior that is crooked, though we sin, though we fall short, though we transgress. No, no, Jesus is our better word because where there is iniquity, we have a great intercessor who prays not that the enemy would win in our lives, but that we would be reconciled to God and to live and to live in and live out of and abide in the extravagant love of God. Easter is our story. How each of us are lost sheep who wandered away from him, from God and from the 99. And Easter is not the story of how did you make it home. Easter is not I found Jesus. No, Easter is that Jesus found you and Jesus found me. We're not the heroes of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story. He told us in a parable because Isaiah said, all of us, all of us wander like sheep. Paul says in Romans that all of us fall short. But the scripture says, or the parable that Jesus taught, is that when one little sheep wanders away from the good shepherd and also the 99 in the flock, the shepherd doesn't go find the sheep, scold the sheep, and tell the sheep to make their way back home in shame. No, no. The scripture says actually that the good shepherd picks down and puts the sheep on his shoulders, and it's the good shepherd who carries us home. The gospel is not you do. The gospel is that Jesus did. Church, Jesus is our better word. He is better than any other word imaginable. Did you hear what I said a moment ago? Our good shepherd gets up from the 99 and makes his way to the one. Our God always gets up. And good Friday in a couple of days is about to show us in following Jesus, if you really want to discover life, it's only going to come through death. It's only going to come through the sacrifice of what Jesus is just about to do as the story moves towards Good Friday. So yes, sometimes better has to make its way 
through broken for us to see a brand new tomorrow. John 16 verse 33 says this. I have said these things to you that in me, everyone say in me, in me you may have peace. In this world, here's what Jesus said, you will have tribulations, you're gonna have trouble, you're gonna have trials, you're gonna have tests. But in that moment, all that stuff, once again, is gonna come right there and it's all we're gonna be able to see, which is why he finishes not with saying, hey, in this world, you're gonna have trouble. But then he goes to say, but take heart. Because when you experience trouble and trials and seasons like this that are just mind-boggling, what is occurred, occurring when we experience seasons like this? Jesus said, take heart, I have overcome the world. In other words, I am your better word. And so as I've said a few times before, Jesus is going to get up on Resurrection Sunday. He's first going to lay down his life for me and for you. And yes, in the Easter story, there are sobering truths as there are some who still choose not to believe. And it is to their eternal consequence that they choose not to believe in a better word. But that doesn't have to be you. And we're praying also it is not your family, your friends, your co-workers, and those that you love. So the question on this Palm Sunday is this. Who do you root your heart or your life in? Or what do you root your life in? From my heart to yours, may it be Jesus. And today, may each of us and over every family watching right now, every heart watching right now, I pray that you would open your heart afresh to what Jesus can do. And if you want to surrender your life to Christ today, you can. I'd be honored to pray with you. And then you can just go to connect.lifecenter.org and, and let us know. We'd love to support you. But let's pray. And then I'll finish my last statement. Let's pray. Let me lead you in wherever you are. Let's pray all together. Let's receive Jesus as our better word. Together, let's say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me just the way I am, yet loving me enough not to leave me the way I am. And so today, I confess my sin and I receive salvation. I trust you are my better word. Amen.